Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm L.A. Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and moms around the world. Hello, Atomic Mamas. I am in northern Michigan. I am pre-recording this episode in Los Angeles in my hot box <laughs> garage. I'm so hot. I might pass out, Natalie, before we get through this. I want to introduce a very special guest to you all. I'm nervous because I'm going to be sharing in this episode a conversation that we had for her series called Empowering Stepmoms. And I rarely do interviews because I... I flip-flop in the middle of the night. I'm like, why did I say that? You know, I'm getting much better at it, but it's definitely always a risk. It feels still risky to me, even though I've been doing this for a million years, mostly because I can't edit myself afterwards when I go on somebody else's project. But I had never spoken about my experience as a stepchild. And as you'll hear in this episode, I feel like I I have earned my 10,000 hours of expertise as a child of a blended family. Um, and I have some things to share about my experiences there. And so I thought as an introduction to that, I would love to have Natalie on this episode. She is a longtime listener. I'm going to just like rattle off some of her certifications, holistic health coach. Coach, certified step family coach, certified yoga teacher. And then here's her bio. Natalie Savelle lives outside Baltimore, Maryland, and is a holistic psychotherapist and stepmom coach. She is a bio mom to a three-year-old boy, stepmom to an eight-year-old boy. She considers herself a personal growth junkie and loves supporting people to be the best version of themselves. So Natalie, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your conversation. I was so insecure afterwards because I was like, oh, Natalie had all the best questions. She should be the host of the podcast. <laughs> but you're very busy with your own projects. Um, but thank you for including me in that special event. And thank you for joining me tonight. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And it was so fun to interview you. And I know there was some stepmoms who were definitely like, it was so nice to hear that perspective from someone who had a stepmom. So it was super valuable and fun to have you. So thank you. Well, Natalie, okay, first question. Why is your work, now I feel like we're on a game show. I think it's because it's like 6.30 here when all the game shows are on. <laughs> like, why is your work supporting uh-huh. blended families so important? <laughs> why, why is your work so important, Natalie? Why is it so important for us to support blended families? Well, I think there's not a lot of support out there for blended families. Actually, in, in my master's program to be, a, um, to be a psychotherapist, they didn't really touch on blended family issues at all. And a lot of the therapists out there don't have a background. They don't have the personal experience or the professional training to support blended family issues, which are very different, can be very different than nuclear family issues. So there's that. And there's also this crazy statistic that something like 80% of second marriages end in divorce. So it is a very overlooked, confusing, and tricky terrain that um, there just isn't a whole lot of resources out there for people. God, 80%. How about for third marriages? Do you know about that? I don't know about that. That's a good question. Okay, my fingers are crossed for my mom. Uh, Yeah. uh, So, okay. Mine too, actually, yeah. Uh, What are the biggest challenges that a new stepmom faces? 
What I see is stepmoms really challenged by trying to figure out their place with the kids in the new family structure. So not being sure about what role they play, what responsibilities are theirs and what aren't, um, where they can step in and where they need to back out. Um, And another thing that I see that's super challenging is having to share their partner's time and energy from the very beginning of their relationship. So they don't get their partner all to themselves and that can be super hard. Um, And then also there's an ex that's in the picture. So just imagine like being married to your husband and his ex, like all, like staying in the picture and being connected to him all the time. It is super, super challenging. It's like having another woman in your husband's life, right? So that also can be confusing and bring up a lot of emotional trickiness, basically con- committing to his ex as well as him, right? So <laughs> I bet you've heard the craziest ex stories. Oh, yeah. There's some very, we well, so there's terminology in the stepmom coaching community. It's a high conflict personality, which is, there's like a surprising number. You would not believe the number of stepmoms who come with these really insane stories of exes who are really destructive and like cause a lot of drama and have no sense of responsibility. Like it's really intense. And as a psychotherapist, we call that a personality disorder, right? In the therapy world. So it's, it's shocking how often it happens. I'm guessing I'm obsessed with borderline personality disorder. Is that yeah, what? Borderline. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And so I, for listeners who are like, what are you talking about? How would you describe borderline? Cause maybe a stepmom out there will be like, yep, that's the ex. Yeah. So this is, I don't really do a whole lot. Like I don't really believe in diagnosis as a way of like to inform treatment. Usually I'm really, I'm really more about symptoms and how people are functioning and what is working and what isn't. Um, But borderline personality disorder is, and any personality disorder is the one thing that I think you have to label and then approach that Mm. person as if they are their diagnosis. Because as it like, So as a treatment provider, this just gives a sense, I think, this perspective on what it's like. You have to literally treat them the opposite of how you treat everyone else. So, (laughs) which is just insane if you think about it. So you don't provide empathy. You give like really strict boundaries. I don't work with people with personality disorders. And I know most therapists don't. Like if they do, there's all these limits and regulations when they have to join groups. And yeah, it's kind of this whole mess um, when it happens. But um, yeah, so they just, because part of their disorder is that they can't take responsibility for their issues. So they blame everyone else for anything that's going wrong. And they literally wrapped up in their disorders this inability to take responsibility, which if you're going to solve your own problems or if you're going to work on yourself, you have to take responsibility for what's not working, right? So they literally are not able to do that. And they're amazing manipulators. They're usually geniuses. Like they're usually super emotionally intelligent. So they know just how to get under people's skin. They know exactly how to create the most drama possible. And they usually, I mean, one of the ways that I know is if they don't have anyone close to them in their lives. Like that's one of the telltale signs. Another way that I know is if I've spent an hour with them and afterwards I'm confused, I'm exhausted, and I'm like, what the heck just happened? Like that person blew my mind. I cannot figure them out for the life of me. Usually that's a very strong indicator that it's a personality disorder. 
I'm the equivalent of someone being in medical school and then being like, oh, I have that disease where like I have gone to my therapist and been like, so right. am I borderline? And because I read something and she's like, Ellie, no, you're not. No. Because if you were, <laughs> and then she'll be like, yeah. you would put me on a pedestal at first. Like there's that component, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They suck you in and they chew you up and then spit you out. That's yeah. so scary. And they do it to therapy. They do it to therapists just as much as they do it to other people in their lives. So when you're a therapist and you're working with someone like that, it's like you never you're like, oh, I think we're making progress. And then the next second they're like firing you or telling you, you know, I don't know, blaming you for some crazy thing. Like it's just it's yeah, it's really intense. It comes from a lot of trauma, which is something that I teach my stepmoms. I'm like, this is a very traumatized person. Like Mm. they're obviously suffering a whole, whole lot. They don't know what's up and what's down. Right. So. Um, yeah, it's a challenging thing to be around and boundaries are the best thing you can do for yourself. If you're related to anyone or in any way connected to someone with a personality disorder, for sure. So if there's a stepmom out there who's like, Ooh, this sounds familiar. What is one piece of advice you would give that mom for, or or any stepmom, even if the ex doesn't have a personality disorder, but just living life, how do we have boundaries? Well, it's funny. I've been talking about boundaries all night tonight, but boundaries, I think we know our boundaries by figuring out, I love Brene Brown's definition where she says what works for you and what doesn't. And we do that by tuning into our emotions, which live in our bodies. So I think tuning into our bodies and seeing like what makes us uncomfortable and what feels good is like an indicator. It's kind of like a signal of what is and isn't working for us and what is and isn't okay. So moms, if you are dealing with a high conflict ex, Set as many limits on your interactions with her, even not even interactions with her, but even your partner or your husband talking about her, there might need to be a limit on that because that can drive you through the roof just hearing about her all the time, right? If she's like really doing some damage. Um, So yeah, I have my stepmoms, you know, sometimes they have to ask their spouses, like, please don't talk to me. I can't be the one to support you around this because it's just too frustrating and too stressful for me to be involved. And there's there's kind of an energetic boundary there that has to be created. So like, don't even let her enter your sphere, right? Like you're any of your, emo- don't give any of your emotional energy to her, especially if she's high conflict, because you're going to end up super frustrated and resentful and you're probably going to be more stressed about it than your uh, husband or partner, right? He's probably just like, that's just her. He's learned by now. He's been married to her. You know, he probably has like ways of dealing with her or ways of being okay with it. Um, so yeah, I see the stepmoms. They'll stay up all night thinking about what the ex is saying to their husband and the husband's asleep, right? So yeah. it's not worth getting involved and trying to be the support person for him if it's going to be such a detriment to your own well-being. With a regular healthy ex, I still think a regular healthy ex, um, I still think there's there's challenges because there's a very high chance that they're not doing things with their child that you see a lot, right? That's partly living with you. There's a very high chance that they're not doing things the way that you want or that you know, are up to par with the way that you would want a parent. Um, that I actually got really blessed with a very respectful ex in my situation. And she has never talked badly about me. And she's always been super supportive and respectful. 
And still, Ellie, I limit my time with her as much as possible because I'm sure she's a good person in her own ways. But in the dynamic that we're in, I, you know, I just, I prefer not to be around her because I get frustrated that she's doing things a certain way that I don't like and that I don't think they should be done that way when it comes to her kid, right? And she has every prerogative to raise her kid however she wants. But of course, I see him all the time. So I'm like... Um, you know, I have my own ideas and my own things to say about, about what she's doing. And so it's just better for me to limit my time with her. So my joke is if you want the key to how to interact with the ex, it would be one word. And that is don't like, this is don't, if you, unless there's like some common ground, like it sounds like you might've had a situation where this, where your mom and your stepmom got along pretty well. And sometimes that does happen and that's great, but I wouldn't bank on it because it's very rare. Oh yeah. And I got that from, so my mom's second husband, my stepfather, when I was in elementary school, she did not get along at all with my stepbrother's mom. So I've seen all sides of this coin for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. It's tough. You know, it's so tricky to talk about because I'm like, I don't want to get anyone upset because it's so explosive. So when people hear like the conversation we have later, like just know that there was there were so many growing pains. And I and I God, yeah, speaking of growing pains, I cannot believe that my stepmother like gained a third grader and a newborn in the same year. Like, that's crazy to me. Like the learning curve necessary for stepmothers at some time, you know, like that's just, it's so much. And like to think of like society's expectations, like did you ever feel judged as a a stepmother? Like what do you do when you, because here's where I get a real stomachache. Whenever I'm being introduced to people that my, like my dad and my stepmom know, right? So like they have much younger children Mm -hmm. and it feels like they've got their own life going with that. And then they introduce mm-hmm. me, and then you can see the people trying to do the math. Like, they're kind of like, oh, well, Kendall seems a little young to be her mom. Like, what's the deal? It's weird. Right. Yeah, it's very weird. And it's people are confused all the time. And people have their own ideas about what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not supposed to be doing as a stepmom. And no one really knows. And the truth is, there's no, <laughs> just like momming, there's no one answer, right? It's right. like you have to figure out what works for you. And give yourself like a whole lot of self-compassion and you're probably going to be judged. Like as, if, it's, if you're a stepmom, I can almost guarantee you that you're going to be judged. So it's like accepting that and knowing that it doesn't mean anything about you just because people might think things about you. Right. And like, gosh, it's, it's such a growing opportunity because it really, it kind of, pushes you into being really confident in yourself and trusting that you're making the right decisions, you know, and doing what you need to do that's best for you and best for your family. Um, Cause what's best for you is best for your family, right? They don't want a frustrated, angry right. stepmom walking around the house. Right. No. So, um, <laughs> Nope. <laughs> just like you don't want a frustrated, angry mom walking around right. the house, right? So, like, you have to do what you have to do to to take care of yourself. And no one knows what that is except for you, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough thing. It is tough, <laughs> for sure. How, how do you introduce your stepson? I call him my stepson, and he calls me 
stepmom. And I'm very, that feels really right to me and really good. I know some stepmoms, like they do the bonus kid and the bonus mom thing, Mm. and that's really important to them. And that's great. And if that feels good, like that's what you need to do. And for me, stepmom and stepson, like I feel in, but that's an endearment for me. Like some people feel insulted by it, but I actually, I think the distinction is important for me between mom and stepmom. And so I'm happy, you know, when he called that he calls me that and I'm 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 happy to make the distinction as a stepkid. But it really it's different for everyone, you know. Some stepmoms have like pet names. Is there anything that you do to help with the transition when your stepson, you know, rejoins your family after he spent time with his mother? Um, yeah, I should do more probably. (laughs) Um, I tell my stepmoms to do stuff and I don't always practice it, but I think kind of getting my, even just getting yourself mentally prepared, like this might be tricky and there's going to be a transition time. You know what I mean? Even if you don't actually physically do something, you know, I do arrange my life so that I can be present when my stepson is at our house. Um, so I would notice that if I worked on the day that he, I mean, I have worked my way to have the flexibility to pretty much determine my own schedule. So I noticed that if I worked all day and saw clients in the clinic where I used to work, that was so stressful. And I would see like 10 clients in the day. And then I would come home to my stepson transitioning in and my son and my partner and every, you know, the whole house, it was a lot and it was really challenging. So I would listen to atomic moms on my way home to help me get ready. And (laughs) makes me feel so (laughs) good. Oh yeah. You've kept me company on many commutes. Um, and I would also sometimes change my clothes just to get, just to make the transition for myself. Like, okay, I was at work and now I'm at home. Natalie, you're Mr. Rogers. That's a total Mr. Rogers move. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do you need to see that play? Oh my God. Yeah. The, well, I took a picture on the set, yes, at the Arclight Theater right. because I saw the I documentary. Saw oh, funny. my gosh. This documentary is the best hour and a half I've ever spent in my whole life. Everyone go see the Mr. Rogers documentary. It's, it's yeah. I have chills thinking about it right now. You know, it's talking heads, but it's also this, you know, found footage and it puts the show in a historical context it's so good. But yeah, so you you put on, you change your clothes. That's a really, that's a great idea. What do you do? I'm just throwing things at you because I don't want to get off the phone with you sure. because it feels so good to be talking to you. Um, no wonder you're so it's successful. So, <laughs> you're, Aww, so how do you tell your stepchild like, hey, that might fly at the other house, but like these things are different here. What's a kind way to say that? I mean, that's basically, you said it. Like, it's like, yeah, maybe your mom is okay with that. And that's fine. Different people have different ideas about things, but over here, that's not okay. You know? And I know that can be hard and like empathizing with their feelings about it. If you, if you, if they have feelings about it and And also having faith that kids are like, yeah, it's challenging for them. And it's important to recognize that they're also really resilient and they can adjust to different roles in different houses. It's like you go to school and you have one set of rules and you go to soccer practice and you have another set of rules. Right. And so I think kids, kids are able to make that adjustment. And although they say that it's ideal for households to be on the same page and have the same rules, I have 
rarely seen that. And I, I don't actually think it's as important as each house being consistent within itself Ooh, that's and being good. clear about what is and isn't okay within their household. I think really focusing on a big thing that I do with stepmoms and with myself is focusing on what you can and can't control and just really owning what you can, what you can take responsibility for and then letting go, like working on, it's such a practice, right? Like it's not easy to let go of what you can't control, but that's kind of the work and that's the practice. What do you do if you feel like you're the only parent who has the emotional resources to support your stepchild? What advice do you give to them? So it really depends on the stepmom and what she has the energy for. If she's the only one that can do that and she has the energy and she's willing and able to, and there's nothing interfering with her ability to do that, like no one's telling her no and no one's, um, you know, if she's welcome to do that by everyone involved, then go for it. Then amazing. That's kind of, you know, incredible that, that someone would want to do that and that there would be a space for that. Um, and please do it because the Seth kid probably needs you more than ever. So, you know, as I think the most graceful way to be a stepmom is kind of like what you described, Ellie, with your stepmom about how she was able to be there and be present and be loving, but not interfere and then step back when it was necessary. Right. So like really learning how to be a loving presence and a caring presence and someone that the kids can come to, but that you aren't needing control and to make all the rules at the same time, if that's not allowed. Every situation is so different. So sometimes the dad doesn't want the, even though the stepmom is an emotional resource, he might not be comfortable with her stepping in in that way. Or maybe the stepmom can't do that without also making the rules, right? Mm. So she has a hard time taking on part of that role and then not the other part. So it really just depends on the situation and how welcome it is. I also, I see a lot of stepmoms who want to step in where they're not welcome. And then they get really stressed out because they're having such a hard time being what they want to be for the step kid. And it's so hard, but you, you do, you have to step back in that situation because you can't be used where you're not wanted, you know, like if you're not welcomed into a parenting role, like a very active and present parenting role by the other parents, then you need to step back because you're just going to cause yourself frustration and pain, more pain and frustration. Um, And that can be a really hard thing. Everyone check out all of Natalie's work. Uh, You'll find the links in our show notes at AtomicMoms.com. And I will be right back with our Skype conversation. It's going to be Ellie Unfiltered. Natalie, will you give a little intro to our, our conversation? Sure. So I had Ellie on because I just love the way she talks about mom challenges in general with this really focused on, I think, a lot of self-compassion and at the same time, still personal growth oriented. So I wanted to bring that to the stepmom communities too. And, you know, I have one stepmom in particular who's been chiming in a lot about how helpful it was to hear from you, Ellie, and how she she's like, oh, my gosh, I don't need to listen to stepmom experts. I just need to listen to people who had stepmoms. She's like, that was the most helpful interview out of all of them. So, yeah, I think it brings a little bit of a different perspective. And we we talked about, like, how you want your stepkids to see you in 20 years and how you can live into that right now. 
and, you know, think about how they'll talk about you in therapy in 20 years and, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're going for the, we're, 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 we're going for the long game, people. It's all about the long game. So Natalie, thank you so, so much. Sure. Thank you so much, Ellie. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up with a mom and a stepmom. Well, I was really lucky um, because I have an amazing relationship with my stepmother. And to go back to the beginning, my parents got divorced when I was four. Maybe they were separated when I was four and officially divorced when I was five. I don't remember it. Um, I know that there was a pretty awful custody battle. Uh, They ended up with joint custody. And then my dad married my stepmom when I was in third grade. And then my mom married my first stepdad when I was in fifth grade. And I got two super awesome stepbrothers out of the deal. Uh, And he was a really wonderful stepfather. And then my mom got divorced. And then she remarried when I was in college. And I got two stepsisters out of that package. So (laughs) I'm an only child. I have five parents and six kind of siblings. (laughs) And so... Um, because of that, I feel like I have a pretty unique perspective in that I have really been raised in so many, um, different homes, different families, uh, with different chemistries. And the thing which about being raised by both my mother and my stepmom is that my mom is a working mom. Um, she was divorced and she was a single mom for a long time. And it was just the two of us. And that felt very like Murphy Brown um, because she's like crazy workaholic. It was awesome. Actually, we would watch Murphy Brown together, but like she was hard charging. And then, and my stepmother was a stay at home mom. Um, She had my half brother. These labels suck, right? She had my brother when I was in third grade um, after they got married and she, she stayed home. So it was like a very different dynamic. Um, and I think that they both worked really well. I was really lucky to have examples in my life of, uh, both of those paths. And, um, I'd say that it always worked best when they were totally true to themselves. Um, when, you could just feel like when my mom was really just doing her thing and not worried about what other people were thinking um, because she wasn't the classroom mom, right? And, but when she was in her element, like that's when she parented best. And my stepmom, the same thing. Like I want to hug her right now because she was classroom mom when I was in third grade and she had a new baby and I have a new baby right now. Um, my second daughter is nine months and like, there's no way I'd be classroom mom. So like props to her for doing that, but she would take me to get ice cream. Um, there were a million fun little rituals she would do that would make, uh, that really fostered our relationship long-term. Yeah, that's amazing. So do you think that that kind of informed your desire to make atomic moms and 
how it's kind of, I know you call it the Switzerland of mommy wars, right? Like you don't, it's, I know that you really advocate like a non-judgmental space where like anything is acceptable or just, you know, there's so much compassion for that. So do you think that that kind of informed your angle? Yes, I think, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it, um, but I think there was something so freeing about being raised by two wonderful women who did things so differently mm. because I, I knew that there wasn't just one path. And I saw how different ways could work. And I do think that they that they both had to deal with a lot of judgment. Um, and not well for me, I'm sure when I was a teenager, but, uh, they had to deal with judgment from society from, I'm sure like some of the other parents, like I, I imagine that my mother, uh, you know, we haven't talked about this, but I could imagine her feeling, um, like she was lacking in certain areas because she wasn't around for the after school play dates. Like I've had conversations with, um, working moms on the podcasting, uh, my girlfriend, Kate Baldwin is on CNN. And the first time that I spoke with her on the show, she talked about, she was like, I don't know these kids names in my daughter's ballet class. Like, I don't know that stuff. And then my, uh, stepmother, you know, the judgment of, well, what do you do all day? Like, what are you doing? Um, and how gross that can feel. And she has so much to contribute and she knows a million languages. And so it's just, I think I did feel at a young age, this um, sensitivity towards mothers and how much crap they have to put up with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you've really created this safe space where it's like, we're not going to give you crap. Like, come here, show up as you are. Yeah. and. We're going to love you anyways. And we might even give you some tips to help you out. Right. And I really believe in sort of parenting as this like buffet style thing. Like I, when I talk to experts, it's not about like, okay, I have to rigidly follow this path because that expert doesn't know my upbringing. The expert doesn't know my baggage or the fact that I had a million parents and, and that expert doesn't know you know, the ins and outs of each of my children. And so it's really this sort of like energetic back and forth. And I find that with the show, it is most helpful to me. Like I interview a ton of psychologists because I really think that that's the key to parenting, like knowing who we are, like what our essence is, like to trust in our goodness, and then to be aware of all of our relationships. Um, because it's all about the energy. And I think that's something that, you know, I had Dr. Laura Berman on the podcast. Um, She's been on Dr. Oz. She's been on Oprah a million times. And she was talking about energy. And it made me think of my stepmother because even though she couldn't be the disciplinarian um, and even though it didn't always like she wasn't the leader of the pack. Like my dad took on that role. Mm -hmm. Um, But it should never be underestimated how much power 
we have within the home because she wasn't the one like yelling at me to clean my room, but like her energy really was like the container for our household. Mm. And when, when she was, when she isn't being reactive and when she could just like not take it personally and really be present through all the drama, like let's say my parents' drama with each other or whatever, when she could be this like consistent, safe space of um, just allowing all this other drama to like roll off her back, like that was the biggest gift in the world. And then that actually becomes like secretly the most powerful person, I think. Right. Yeah, that's huge. And that's something that I support stepmoms with all the time is like not taking things personally and using mindfulness and using like doing the work to have the self-awareness to be able to hold that space without getting controlling or like interfering where they can't. And it's so hard, right? Like it's, it's so a constant hard. practice and it's a constant like evolution and growth process. But when people can do it, it's worth working on because it does have so much power and it does um, have the ability to really make a huge difference for a kid and for a household. I think that's so true. I heard this metaphor once of the mom is like the center of a wheel and then all mm -hmm. the spokes are coming out of it. So the mom is like needing to be the, you know, the steady, it really helps to do the work to be the steady one as much as possible. Right. We're not going to be perfect all the time, but it no. helps to at least, uh, shoot for that. Yeah. So I love that. So I love hearing adults talk about positive roles that their stepmoms played for them. And I love hearing like how much of a difference that made for you. What are some other special things that your stepmom took on that made a big difference for you? It's so funny. I, this is such a cool experience for me to get to talk to you um, because it's this opportunity for me to reflect back on all these little moments that I didn't think occur for at the time because I was a kid. Um, but these little things, these little, like not thankless things, but like it was the little rituals that really stuck with me. Like she would take me to get ice cream on Friday afternoon after school with my best friend. We'd go to Oscar's Creamery in Houston, Texas. And that was so special. Mm. Or when I went to camp, like she would send care packages with really fun stuff. Like I mean, I can thank her for being the first, she was the one who bought me tampons for the first time, which is like so gross and probably shouldn't share that. But it's a really big deal. Like the first time you get your period and the fact that like she was someone that I felt so comfortable and safe with that I could go through these rites of passages with, like it's really, um, it's really incredible. And I it's just such a gift to me. And she's now, you know, such a wonderful grandparent to my two daughters. And, you know, that's not to say that there weren't growing pains and like she would, you know, get furious if I would go borrow clothes without asking her to. Right. And like, there's all of those tensions now that I'm an adult or trying to be an adult. Like I'm kind of mortified that I would do that, but like, it's a thing that you do in your early teens and she had a great closet. And so there's that friction though, because you're not their child biologically. And for me personally, there was always this little tiny bit of insecurity there. Um, I think that a lot of, well, I should only speak for myself really. 
for me, I think, you know, I don't remember my parents ever being together. Um, so I didn't have that chip on my shoulder. Uh, but I do, um, I definitely have felt insecurity uh, about like where I stand in the family or the stability. Like, will, will this last forever? You know, that kind of fear that I think probably comes from, you know, at a very young age, learning that like, you know, just because you say you're getting married, it doesn't mean that it sticks. So there were, that's probably where any pain would come from for me is like, or the growing pains, like that I would, um, you know, borrow something and she would be frustrated about it. This is just like one of many examples, I'm sure. And then I would have that little fear of like, was she going to love me anymore? You know? And, and of course she would. And she's, and this is not, again, going back to like, it's not personal. Like this has nothing to do with how incredible my stepmother is. This has to do with like, what are the lessons that I'm meant to learn in my life? You know, and that I'm lovable is probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Well, and I think that's true for a lot of stepkids. And sometimes stepmoms don't realize that they feel that way, that there is this like sensitivity and this like, is this a temporary situation or is this permanent? I don't know because I'm going back and forth between two houses. And I think it can really help. Like, I know it helped me with my stepson to really recognize his perspective and see like, this is really hard for kids to go back and forth. They don't know if these adults are going to stick around, if they frustrate them too much. And yeah, that yeah, can be. Will you end up at the other house, you know, because it feels like there's almost like a backup house. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I can just go there if this doesn't work out. So yeah, if you get to- they'll just send me to the other parent full time, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. But it's uh, the, uh, some of the other rituals, like it's, it's also to t- speak Uh, about the sensitivity of like the stepchild, you know, when especially there are other children involved, um, you know, they go on trips, you know, and they would always try to plan trips and stuff like that when I could be there with them, but sometimes that didn't work out. Um, And so they were always really sensitive about that and would, you know, call me and like send me a postcard and bring me back a present. But like these little things, you know, really, um, I don't know. They just make such a huge impact or even just doing two, like my parents luckily live in the same town. So it's like, I would do two Thanksgivings and every year I would like complain about it. Um, because I'd be like, Oh my God, really? I'm going to eat like for nine hours straight. Like I want to go to a movie with my friends, like after the first meal, like I don't want to do two full meals, but like there was something you know, that was so generous of my stepmother to say, okay, well, she's going to do Thanksgiving dinner with her mother, you know, in the early evening. So we will do ours at 1130 a.m. Right. I didn't even think about that. Like what a huge, it's hard enough as a mother now for me to like schedule anything, but to have (laughs) to take into consideration you know, this other person who happened to have been married to your spouse, like it's just so intense. Yeah. Um, and, and she did that really, really gracefully. Mm. So the thoughtfulness, like the consistency that showed you that you were being thought about and you yeah. like 
I imagine that just provided more of a sense of security that like, okay, she does care. Like she is sticking around. This is, this is real. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. And I love hearing you talk too, because I often think about for myself, of course, since I'm like a therapist and do this work, I'm always thinking like, what are my kids and my stepson going to say about me when they're in therapy, when they're in their twenties? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The dark path to go down. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) But I do kind of have those thoughts like, how are they going to talk about me in 20 years? You know, what's that going to be like? And that can be a big motivation for me personally in how I'm showing up or like what I'm committing to and what my intentions are. Like um, just knowing in those little moments, like the impact that we're having. So yeah. Oh my God. Don't underestimate it ever. It's those little, little moments. Yeah. That's big. Okay, everyone, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Instagram, leave comments in our posts, Facebook. If you answer a few questions, you can join our special community and leave a written review on iTunes. That helps other mamas find us. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms.